Hey, welcome to Widowed Too Soon. I am Mark Massaro, and I'm here with my co-host and friend, Michelle Bader. And Michelle from Washington is going to tell us about her story and the incredible um, journey that she has been on. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Well, I am happy to be here today. <laughs> it is a good day. So I'm excited to share my story with the audience about my husband's journey through cancer and God's faithfulness. Um, I have been a widow for 11 months and two days, and it's been a journey. So I really want to have a chance to share what God brought me through in the last 16 years, because it's been a long journey. So I'm going to start way back because my husband and I met in high school, believe it or not, back in the day. I was a freshman, he was a sophomore, and he played baseball. I was a cheerleader, and we both thought each other were cute, but we never dated in high school. And a few years later, well, he graduated, and I graduated, and uh, we ran into each other through mutual friends in 2002, and um, he was 23 or 24, and I was 22. And anyways, long story short, uh, we fell in love. After three months, we were engaged, and looking back, it's totally God's timing. I had no idea, you know, like everybody thought it was crazy. We got engaged so fast, but I'd known him like half of my life, and we um, decided to get married, and before we got married, he noticed that there was a lump in his ankle, so he was a mail carrier, and he walked, I think it was seven or eight miles every day delivering mail. And so, yeah, it was crazy. He was like in such good shape walking. He was athletic. He was a star baseball player. He was absolutely amazing. He had never been sick in his life. He'd had a few ear infections, like total picture of health, handsome, six feet tall, dark hair. I mean, he was amazing and nothing had ever, you know, been wrong with him as far as physically, you know, he, he thought he was invincible. He used to talk about when he was in his twenties and he thought he was invincible, like early twenties and Anyways, long story short, he saw something on his ankle starting to get bigger. Um, And then we got married um, before we knew what that was. And he went to the doctor. Actually, I think before we got married, he went to the doctor and they said, it's tendonitis. You're young. You'll be fine. So we went along and it started getting bigger. We got married in August and had this beautiful, beautiful wedding, a gazebo, 300 people, twinkling lights, the whole thing. Actually, this is fun. Side note, when I was 13 or 14. Um, my family went to the place we got married because they have Christmas lights. And I said, one day I'm going to get married here. And <laughs> I did. So it was like a long dream of mine to get married there. And side note, we would go back every year with the kids because you could go back at Christmas. Um, but anyways, so honeymoon Maui, it was like, everything was picture perfect. Like everyone said, we were like Barbie and Ken, this beautiful couple, like everything going for us. And then this lump in his ankle started getting bigger. So when we got married, I was 24 and he was 25. And he went back to the doctor in December. So a few months after we had gotten married. Um, oh, in the betu- in between time, between August and December, in November, we found out we were pregnant with our first child. Um, not our plan, but God's plan. And the timing is completely God. So we had something to focus on positive. Um, and... December, he went to the doctor and he told me he remembers them like calling. They had an x-ray of his ankle and they were like calling people in to look at it. 
And he said he could hear them whispering and saying, oh, that looks bad. How old is he, 25? And he said that day he knew it was something bad. And he came and told me, and I didn't believe it was bad at all. Like, I just thought, okay, well, I don't know what it is, but I never even thought the word cancer. Didn't know anything about mm-hmm. cancer, just like you shared in your episode. Didn't I, it, Cancer was something, actually, I wrote a book. And in my <clears> book, I say cancer is something that you heard like a distant aunt had or a cousin. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was in my daily life. So anyways, um, <clears throat> ended up in January. So then he had his 26th birthday in December. And then in January, we went and he had a biopsy on his ankle. You know, for those of you not familiar, it's where they take a piece of the tumor. Um, And so we knew he had a tumor. So we had already figured that out. I think maybe they had a scan. I don't remember the order of things. But they then had the biopsy in January and took a piece of it. It took a while. And I remember the doctor calling us. They said, we have to send this off to New York. It's something super rare. We don't know what it is. Yeah, it was crazy. And we had to wait. And then I remember the day that the doctor said, I need you both on the phone. So we knew it was bad. And she said, this is a very rare bone cancer called mesenchymal chondrosarcoma. And we're like, what? And all I recognized was sarcoma. It was a bone cancer. And she said, it's super rare. It's usually in kids. Like we don't even know how to treat this. So we're going to, it was pretty much like, we're going to throw all this chemo at you and hope it works because we don't even know what to do with this. And um, it was like, so we talked on the phone and then I remember meeting with the oncologist and I remember it was a, a man and just feeling like my whole world crushing. Like I wanted, and they also told us that we'd never have any more kids um, because of the chemo. They told us a bunch of stuff and I was crushed. I was pregnant at the time, but thinking about more kids, I always wanted a big family. And it was just the most crushing moment finding out my 26 year old husband had bone cancer, like completely healthy, all of a sudden bone cancer. Here's your chemo. You need to start immediately. It will last a year. It will be every, um, I think it was like every three weeks for five days, you'll stay in the hospital. It was intense. And I was like, like in a moment, just like you, the whole world changes, like your whole world changes Mm -hmm. in a moment. And you're like, what? I remember like, just sitting there pregnant, crying, like, this can't be real. This cannot be real. Wow. So yeah, it was pretty crazy to be newlyweds. I mean, we always used to joke about like, what do other newlyweds, you know, they say the first year of marriage is so hard. We would hear people say that. And I'm like, (laughs) wait, did you go through cancer? Like, what was so hard? Like, I never, like, Luke and I would always joke about that. Like, what was hard for them? I don't get it. So anyways, so he started chemo right away. And I remember he had five day hospital stay, 24 hours a day. We had shared rooms. And I remember being with this man just screaming and I'm sure he died soon after. It was horrible. And just, it was so a whole wing was just chemo wing, the chemo ward. And you would stay there overnight and there were all these sick kids and sick people. And it was so depressing. And I, you know, was pregnant and I would cuddle up in his bed with him with the chemo going. And the chemo was so bad that they told me like, you can't use the bathroom that he uses, but if you do, you have to flush it twice. And then you can use it because they were afraid of the chemicals getting me and I'm pregnant. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so you're putting that in his body, but I can't touch it. It's kind of crazy, you know, like just, yeah. And immediately he, I remember right after chemo, him throwing up, losing his hair, um, taste buds. He couldn't taste things and it gets sores in his mouth and Mm. it it was crazy. So he went through 
several cycles of chemo and then they did another scan and said it did not um, shrink at all. So then they, they came back to us and said, you have, um, you have a couple choices to make. You can either like, we need to do something with this cancer. It's not shrinking. So either we can remove the tumor and try to leave a big margin. Um, no, just, it was just remove the tumor and you can wear a special boot for the rest of your life. Um, and we can just hope it doesn't come back, but it's pretty likely it'll come back if we just remove it. Or you can amputate your leg below the knee, giving it a bigger margin and you'll be able to get a prosthetic leg and be more active than if you um, just take the tumor. And I remember just, we hung up, it was a phone call. We just hung up and laid on the bed and cried and like, how do we make this decision? Like that's crazy. Yeah. And looking back at it now, because I'm like, that's so young. Like he, I was 24 at the time he was 26 and just like, how do we make this decision? So we talked to a lot of people, our pastors and prayed about it a lot and decided to do the amputation. And a lot of it was because I was pregnant with Hayden and he was like, I want to be there for him, you know, and if this gives me a better chance at living longer then I'm going to do it. So Yeah, it was it was a hard decision. I remember us going up in front of the church right before his amputation and them explaining it to everybody and praying over us. And I remember the night before his amputation, we went out to dinner and I remember him saying to me, I need you to be strong for me. Like, cause I was usually the one crying and all that stuff. He's like, I need you to not <laughs> cry tomorrow. I need you to be strong. I was like, okay, okay, I can do it. And then I remember that feeling of walking in the hospital, holding his hand, looking at his feet, knowing it would be the last time that I would see him mm-hmm. with two legs. Wow. It was, a, it was a really <laughs> crazy feeling walking in. And then I remember like so many people from our church there, all of our families, and then walking in, you know, to the prep room. And it's kind of funny. His mom took a Sharpie and wrote, uh, so he had his right leg amputated and on his left leg, she wrote, not this one. <laughs> Cause she was afraid <laughs> of the horror stories where they <laughs> cut the wrong one off. I thought it was really funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I remember him getting an epidural and I left the room because I was like, I don't want to see what that's like because I'm going to have to have one and soon and I didn't want to know. And it was like they couldn't get it right. And and I remember just sliding. So I'm outside of the door where he's getting it done and sliding down and falling onto the floor, just crying and crying. And oh no, that was when they wheeled him. So he kissed me goodbye, wheeled away. And then I just fell to the floor crying like in back in the pre-op. And I remember a nurse being like, are you okay? Like, do you have anybody here for you? And I was like, yeah. And then I remember walking into the bathroom and I had this bracelet and it had pictures of me and Luke and then a picture. No, it couldn't have been a Hayden. Yeah, he wasn't born yet. So it was pictures of me and Luke. And then I remember like going to the bathroom and rubbing my belly and going, daddy will be okay, Hayden. Daddy will be okay. It's okay, Hayden. It's okay. And just like, I can't explain what it felt like in that moment, knowing he was about to have his leg cut off. But what we tried to consider it was the last day he had cancer. And that was May 7th of 2004. Um, Mm. We always, that was the anniversary of like cancer's gone. We would celebrate. So we tried to walk in there with a good attitude of like, this is the day cancer is going to be gone through your body. Because thankfully at that time, it was nowhere else in his body. It was only in his ankle. And that was amazing because usually it's other places too. The primary was his ankle. So did they do the, like a full body scan at that time or something? Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, they okay. had, once they found it in his ankle, they did the full body scan to see if it was anywhere else. And thankfully, that was a praise, but it wasn't at that time. So went through the amputation, and uh, it was very awful seeing him. Like, it was mm-hmm. a long day. And then I was just scared of, like, what he would be like afterwards. But he had the best attitude. And every time, I forgot to say this, when he was in chemo, he brought his Bibles back before we had Bible apps, you know. He, so he had his That's actual awesome. physical Bible and would read it and the nurses and he would talk to the nurses about God. And they always said, you are the most positive patient we have. And so he no. was such a light and made such an impact on them. And he came out of the surgery with the best attitude. So they told me I could see him and I went in by myself and he was like smiling. And he was like, I thought I was paralyzed, but I'm not. He said they had put like it was he found it later it was because they'd given him so much anesthetic or something. When he woke up, mm-hmm. he couldn't move. He couldn't move at all. And so he was like, thought that something went wrong in the surgery and then he was paralyzed. So when he could start feeling again, he was thankful that he had only lost his leg and that he have, was not paralyzed. So he was smiling and saying, I'm not paralyzed. And he was like, so happy. And then like, yeah, it was amazing. And then it, you know, things got worse because he got he was in so much pain that night and they didn't get him the right pain medicine. He was screaming all night. We not, neither of us slept all night and it was horrible. Like nobody should have to go through that. Yeah. Um, long story short, cause I got a lot more to cover. <laughs> this is just a long mm-hmm. time ago. What happened? Um, he learned to walk again. You know, we had to do a bunch of therapy at the hospital and then he was actually on crutches July 7th when Hayden was born. He was on my, like by my side, holding my hand on crutches. He didn't even have his prosthetic leg yet. And that was some love and dedication <laughs> to be there with me um, while he didn't have his leg yet. So long story short, like we considered that the last day he had cancer for many years and that he would have scans. I think in the beginning, it was actually every three months, then six months and every year. And he didn't have cancer for 13 years after that. Wow. Yeah, it's, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, once you get to the 10 mark year mark, it's like a pretty high chance you're not going to get cancer again. So we were super excited Uh, to get to the 10. Yeah. But we knew about this cancer that if it came back, it would be in his lungs and it would, that would probably be it because that's what the statistics said. And um, it was a very, 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 low survival rate of having like actually he was a miracle because most people that get this cancer die within a couple years and so the Mm. fact that he lived I think like 14 years after I'd have to do the exact math but it was gone for 13 years so about 14 since he had it I think the fact that he lived that long was absolutely a miracle like he read some of the paperwork he didn't tell me until later but it said that there was like a one percent survival rate like it's something crazy it's like a very rare bone cancer very rare and every i'm still in a facebook group with these people with cancer and nobody survived like it's really sad Mm. i have known many people in that group who have passed away so anyway so life goes on um he's never the same you know not having his leg and super low immune system because the chemotherapy killed all his good immune system Mm -hmm. so every little sickness he would get every tiny thing and so he had a lot of health issues between the time when he had cancer and when he came back so it's not like it was like easy breezy 13 years everything's great he actually couldn't he went back to work for a little bit it was too hard for him with his prosthetic leg um and he never went back to work again 
he he tried a few things, but it didn't really work. Um, he got to be a stay-at-home dad for a little bit, which was awesome. We went on mm-hmm. to have two more kids. Um, they were all like 20 months apart. So at one time we had three, three and a half and younger. And that was a crazy time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lots of, they were all in diapers at once. Um, that is a handful. Um, yes. So <laughs> I do understand when you have little ones, like, yes, I understand. Like I had those crazy <laughs> days and I don't know which is worse, teenagers or toddlers. I don't know. It's a toss up. But um, anyways, so we went through lots of years of lots of other health issues, many hospital stays, but it would take too long to get into all of that. But we were always thankful the cancer has gone until... Um, it was August of, I think, 2017, maybe. I'd have to look exactly. But we were at this cabin. Luke's aunt and uncle had a cabin. And we were out at this baseball field. And we were playing baseball as a family. It was, like, his favorite sport. And I remember him hitting the ball. And then he fell onto the ground onto his lungs. And actually, he thought it was his liver at the time. Because he also had cirrhosis, which is a whole other story. Um and he, he was hurting really bad. He's like, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I fell on, he thought it was his liver at the time. I fell on my liver. It hurts really bad. And so he made, when we got home, he made an appointment um, to, with um, mm, liver doctor. Pulmonologist's no, pulmonologist's heart. I can't remember. The liver doctor. Um, I'll remember it later. <laughs> Anyways, he went and they scanned his liver. They didn't see anything, but they saw a little bit of his lungs on the scan. And they saw mm. cancer in his, in his lungs. So then he had another scan to fully scan his lungs and they found it all over his right lung, just his right lung, not his left. And that was a really devastating day because it had been 13 years without cancer. And we knew if it came back in the lungs, it was not good. I mean, I Mm. I didn't think he was going to die in the beginning. Like I just thought it was like, we'll get through this. Just like we got through the first cancer. And I remember sitting down the kids, I think they were like nine, 11 and 13 at the time. And just talking to them, like, daddy has cancer again, but we're, you know, we're going to pray for a miracle. We're going to do, you know, chemotherapy again. You know, Luke and I decided he would never do chemotherapy again, but we had no options. Like, he didn't qualify for a clinical trial. There really was nothing else. And so we started the process again of chemotherapy. And Mm -hmm. This time it was not at home. Well, it wasn't at first. We tried a couple of different things. We went to a specialist. She told us her regiment, and he started off with um, I think it was five days in patient, and then he would go home. And I remember sitting there with all you go to this huge room, and it's all these chairs with all these people doing chemo. It's the saddest place. Like it is yeah. so sad when you're there, and just. Um, I made him a video before that. I had all these people send me encouraging like um, messages for him. And so when he sat down to do chemo, I'm like, I have something for you. And I let him watch the video. And it was all these people, you know, you're such an encouragement. You've got this, you know, and he cried when he watched it. And it was just, anyways, the point is it was horrible. Like, I'm like, I can't believe we're back here again. Like, and I remember asking the, the lung doctor, um, what, like, how did this happen? How is it in his lungs? And he said, I, there was some cell somewhere in his body that remained dormant for like 13 years. And so it was the same cancer. Yes, it was. So people got it confused. They thought he had lung cancer. I'm like, no, it was bone cancer in his lung. Same cancer. Mm -hmm. They tested it. It was the same thing. So, um, 
you know, we looked into everything, like you can remove one lung. We looked into that, um, but it would be a really hard life. You'd be on oxygen. And they said it would probably mm-hmm. jump to the other lung anyways. So it was like, why go through that surgery? And that yeah. you know, was just like, yeah. So it went through chemo again. And then he did have a chemo where he would bring it home and the pump would go all night and he'd have to have it several days. He had a pack, he would carry it in kind of like a fanny pack. Um, and just like, it was hard on everybody and the kids and everybody you know to go through watching dad get sick again and he would throw up and he lost his hair and all the stuff and it was so weird going through it again like really we already did this and here we are again but way harder because I didn't have kids the first time I was pregnant but I didn't have any kids so so different to have to take your kids through it and why why is daddy sick why is he throwing up what's happening is he gonna die you know all the stuff and just trying Did they to... know that he had cancer before? Yeah, they'd heard, you know, stories. And I had actually, in the so, meantime, I'd, I'd written a book. And a couple of them, the older kids, had read my book. Okay. Um, so they knew all about it, all the stories. But for it to be here again was right. hard. And they'd also seen him sick a lot with other things. So it's not like this was mm. brand new that he had health issues. But this was the hardest one. And, um, you know, I remember Peyton, my youngest, so he must have been nine at the time. So very close to Alexis's age, like asking, why doesn't, why doesn't God heal daddy? Why? You know, and I remember explaining, you know, we don't understand kind of like God sees like this. It's like a big puzzle. It's all these puzzle pieces. We only see a tiny bit, but God sees the whole thing. And this is part of his plan. And we don't understand it. We may not understand. Actually, I said this to my kids today. I think we were talking about it. We, We were talking about their dad and we may not understand until heaven like why he got cancer but anyways um you know taking the kids through it was really hard when I have my own questions but trying to be strong for them and it was it was something else it was really hard um you know and then it came to the place where they it kept growing and growing and it was like now it's about quality of life there I remember looking at Luke when we were in the appointment I think his mom was in that appointment too and they're like there's nothing else we can do and I'm like, what? Like, we're just going to give up. I, I remember saying that. So you're just going to give up? They're like, well, they're, you know, it's about quality life. And then they're like, most people at your point now, they decide not to do chemo because it's not working. So then we had to make another decision. Do we keep doing chemo or do we live? Like they were saying it would only extend his life by a few months. And it just really was like, okay, we're done. We're done with chemo. And I think we, he had about a year or a year and a half after chemo, like more than they thought. And we did so much in those last couple years. We went on our first big family vacation to this mm. um, like amusement park called Silverwood in Idaho. It was our first big trip. We went to the beach several times. Um, the Oregon Ducks were his favorite football team. And we got like, through connections, we got people who um, got us down on the field and free tickets. And I mean, there were so many things, blazer games down on the, like almost to the court because he wanted that for his, actually that was his last birthday he had. Someone gave it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many things. We went to Disneyland. That was a family dream forever. And actually this is good for people to know if they are living with someone who has a terminal illness, there's a foundation called the Dream Foundation and they grant wishes to terminal adults. You know, there's tons for kids, but it was harder to find one for adults. And I mm. have his doctor sign that he had less than six months, I think, mm-hmm. to live. And I remember showing it to him. I go, this doesn't mean I believe it. We just have to have a sign. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to outlive that. And he did. 
and we were able to go to Disneyland as a family paid for by the Dream Foundation. Um, so many things. We decided to just live life and just, you know, as much as we could. We went to um, like a month before he died, we got to go to this big, beautiful house for Easter and out on the beach. And I mean, just so many things. It was just about, let's just live life. But knowing your spouse is going to die in the back of your head, like is so hard. I know you get this. And I know a lot mm -hmm. of our, our audience probably gets this, that feeling of, oh my goodness, like he's going to die. And he went on hospice about six months before he passed away. We had an angel of a hospice nurse, Stephanie, who stepped in and was just everything I needed. Um, and she's the one who told me, if you're going to go to the beach, you should do it now. He's starting to get worse. And he had what's called muscle wasting, where his face was starting to cave in and just all the things that cancer mm -hmm. does. And he was starting to not look like himself anymore. I remember him crying about um, he was losing his strength. He was always a very strong man. And he was always, you know, athletic into, you know, losing his, uh, you know, he could still walk, but just all of it, I could feel his skin and his muscles and like everything mm. changing. And that was hard. Like when we finally, like we realized, you know, we would still every night until the very last night, we prayed for a miracle every single night with the kids. I would say goodnight to them when we pray for a miracle, but we also knew the miracle could come in heaven. So my kids weren't mm -hmm. set up for being totally destroyed. They knew that the miracle could come in heaven. And um, it did. It was not, uh, didn't happen on earth. Um, but we know, actually, Haley said it today. She said, but daddy was healed. He was healed in heaven. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. He was. He wasn't, you know. Oh, I know why we talked about it today. Peyton said at church, they talked about in the middle school about why God doesn't answer some prayers. And it's because he has a plan and we might not understand the plan. So um, anyways, he started, you know, getting worse spring of 2020. And it was also hard because it's COVID just started. But here's the blessing. Everybody was at home. My kids didn't have everything shut down. No sports, no theater, no school. So we were all together for Luke's last three months of life, like 24 seven. I will wow. never regret that. Like we looked at it. We watched, I have a whole list. I think 50 movies. Like I would, and I put it down, like right down the list. <laughs> every time we watched one, we watched a movie every single night together. Family movies. That's cool. Every night because the kids could sleep in. And um, Luke, um, Haley and I were supposed to go to Washington, D.C. We didn't, we would have missed a week of Luke's life if near the end. I'm so glad we did. I mean, so many things that I can look at and go like, I am so thankful that we were able to be together. And it was amazing, just amazing to have so much yeah. quality time his last few months. And he started getting a little confused at the end and um, he had what's called end of life agitation and it wasn't always peaceful, but that wasn't him. And sure. um, that's what I would tell the kids every night. That's not him. It's the cancer and the drugs. You know, if he would be upset about something and, you know, try to remember what he's really like. Um, so... <clears throat> In May of 2020, um, he was, I could tell he was getting worse and worse and worse. And it was just always that, like my nurse would tell me, okay, I think we have a month left. I think we have a couple weeks left. And the good news was he never lost his ability to like walk. Um, he never had an assisted bath and he was a very proud man. <laughs> like he would not, the thought, he would cry. The thought of like, I don't ever want you to have to take care of me. I don't ever want you to have to do that. Like he just, it would have destroyed him mentally. Like it, 
it would have. And I'm so thankful. I mean, we had everything. The hospice nurse brought everything like to the closet, like a catheter, like all these things we might need. And she's like, I don't want him to know they're here, but like, if we ever need them, they're here. You know, yeah. he was able to fully eat, fully do everything. So his last night was May 22nd, 2020. We had a great, I think we watched a family show. We were, we had a family hug. We'd never had like a group hug. I don't think ever, but he was in the boys room saying goodnight. And then Haley was in there. I was in there and the dog was in there and we all hugged. Totally God, you know, say goodnight. We love you. You know, all, all that stuff. And then um, now looking back, I can see mm. the next thing that happened was a total complete miracle. Um, the kids had gone to bed and Luke would stay up late, but he kept telling me, I don't, I just feel off today. Like he said that so many times that day. And um, actually I want to back up. I put this in my notes. I wanted to share about two days before he died, he was sitting in his recliner and he was crying and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I just want to tell you that I am so thankful for you. You're an amazing wife. Mm. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for never wow. leaving me. Yeah, it was really special. And um, I held his hand and I was crying and I said, God chose me for this. Like, I'm going to hold your hand till the very end. I'm here for you. Wow. And it was just this beautiful moment. It's kind of like my nurse was saying, it's not that they know, really know, but some subconsciously somehow, like he knew he was saying all of these things. So anyways, the last night, um, I said, why don't you come to bed with me? It was like 11 o'clock and he'd usually stay up till midnight because he had to take a pill at midnight. Anyways, he came and we started just watching some silly TV show and um, cuddling in bed. And then he was like, so you have to know this about him. He never, ever asked me to make him food. He liked to make his own food eat up until the end. But he said, could you make me a grilled cheese sandwich? And I was like, sure, why not? And so I remember going in the kitchen and making it just how I knew he would like it and bringing out and I ate something too and he ate his grilled cheese sandwich and we were just laughing at the show and I was like this is our best date we've ever had and he's like yeah I think it is <laughs> and it was just this beautiful evening like it's crazy now thinking about it <laughs> and then when we were about to go to bed he said my my leg's really hurting I was like, I'm sorry. He's like, it's, I think it's these exercises I did. So the nurse had said, you should do these calf um, exercises because it will help strengthen. So you don't lose your strength mm. in your legs as soon. So he went overboard and did like a hundred, I don't know, something crazy. And um, so he thought it was from that. And he's like, it's really hurting. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. And it looks swollen to me. And I'm like, we should probably maybe call tomorrow about that. And we went to bed and six no four it was four something in the morning I woke up to a light being turned on he was in the hall closet and he's like I need some medicine I need some Tylenol or something my legs really hurting I'm like okay lay down I'll get it for you and um so this is the emotional part <laughs> mm -hmm. um so I I got him some Tylenol and then he um asked me to get him a heating pad for his leg. And then he asked me to get him ice. I got him all these things. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call hospice and see what's going on. And um, as I'm calling hospice, he starts like hyperventilating. And I thought it was a panic attack. And I'm pretty sure that's what he thought it was too, because he asked me to get him his lorazepam which he called chill pill, get me my chill pill. <laughs> and that's what he called it. And um, he's like, stick it under my tongue. And um, I think he thought he was panicking too. Um, 
actually don't want to get into every little detail because it's too much, but he ended up like just not being able to breathe while I was on the phone with hospice. I'm like, well, I called because of his calf hurting, but he's not breathing well. And they wanted to hear his breathing and they said, go get the oxygen. So I ran and got the oxygen and put it on. So meanwhile, my kids are still asleep. They don't hear any of this. Totally God's protection. Nobody saw him suffer but me. And um, he started, you know, like not being able to breathe, his eyes rolling back in his head. And I didn't think this was it until that moment, until I saw this. And then it was like, this is it. Like, I was so confused, like, what's happening? I had no idea what was happening. And thankfully, and actually, Hayden told me later that he saw he was awake. He saw the door shut. I don't remember shutting the door. Um, and he saw the oxygen going through the hall, but that he didn't go in there. And he would have seen suffering if he did. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Luke just was, like, very labored breathing. And very. it was very scary. And the nurse, I said, should I wake up my kids? Do you think this is it? And he's like, yeah, I think you should. And so as I'm going to wake, yeah, it was, um, it's crazy just thinking back. I haven't actually thought about this in a really long time, like the details. Um, And somehow God kept me calm the whole time. Like when he wasn't breathing very well, and I was just saying, "It's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, just trying to comfort him. And while I left to go get the kids, when we came, I told them it's daddy's probably going to heaven. Like we need, we need to say goodbye. And I remember Haley screaming, no, it's Mm. not time yet. (laughs) It's not time because we, they thought there was going to be this progression that we were told about. This -hmm. will happen. Then this will happen more of like a progression that Lacey went through. Like that happens normally. You're looking for the signs. Yeah. There's signs. Yep. So Anyways, I, when we get back to the room, calm breathing, they never saw him suffering. They never, it was like, God totally stopped that before they saw him, which I am so thankful because it's hard enough for me to get out of my head. I don't want them to have that. So they never saw that part of it, which is totally God protecting them. Um, so my kids at the time, um, were 12, 14 and 15. Yes. So um, they come into the room and his eyes are already like locked to the side and he's, so his eyes are wide open and he's just kind of slow breathing at that time. And I had somehow remembered to call his mom. I called my parents. Um, so people were on the way and we just started singing to him and um, talking to him. And I said, talk to him, he can hear you. And I remember saying things to him like, you're going to meet my grandparents today. You're going to see your grandparents and like, wow. Just telling him all, <laughs> all the people he was going to see. Cause I knew this is, this was it. Um, and I was able to talk to my hospice nurse, even though she was off duty and we did a FaceTime and she wanted to see him and she said, yeah, this is it. And I want you to give him, whatever that do lot no i don't remember the medicine haloperidol that that one yep <laughs> and she wanted me to give it to him and Haley helped me and the kids told me later that they thought that was going to make him better <laughs> mm. but it was just to make him relax and so mm-hmm. it would be easier for him and we just talked to him i don't remember everything we said it's a blur um 
Haley saying you are my sunshine and that was that was their song ever since she was a baby he would sing it to her call it call her my little sunshine and um the boys talk i just remember peyton going i love you daddy you're the best daddy i love you mm-hmm. peyton talking to him and me talking to him and then his mom got there and she sang to him and um so she was on one side so we were, he was surrounded by his mom and his family and um and then it's all kind of like blurry in my head. But then um, I don't know why I had my phone and somehow I decided to play the song. I can only imagine if you haven't heard it, I'll put a link in the description. It's a beautiful song about heaven. And as I was playing the song and we all sang it to him, he stopped breathing. He took wow. his last breath and moved to heaven during the song. I can only imagine like the timing is only God, you know, that during that song, he, he actually went from imagining heaven to heaven. And I'm also going to share in a minute, like a vision that God gave me later about that moment for him. Um, and then my parents got there and it was a blur and it was, um, all the kids kissed him goodbye. And, um, and then I, uh, I laid on the bed with him <laughs> and just touched him and, cried and it didn't seem real you know you know to watch someone's like you said yesterday when like someone's soul departs like he wasn't there but I just wanted those last few minutes I just laid with him and just sobbed and my mom tried to come for me and then she's like I think you should go you know instead of sitting there she's like he's not there anymore and we left and yeah it it was a crazy crazy emotional experience um but I want to share this part because I think this can help people I know I shared it with you and you said it helped you about Mm -hmm. this vision that God gave me about the moment when he was dying and um so a few months later I went to a grief retreat and God gave me a vision and the vision was actually the whole death experience but it was as if I was Luke so just like you said, sometimes you hesitate to tell your stories. This one I have not actually, there's probably a lot of people that know me that are listening that have not heard this story because it's so personal and it feels like people won't believe it, but it happened. Mm -hmm. So God showed me what Luke experienced. Like, this is pretty crazy. It's a gift that God gave me. So I, you know, was having this vision and I was asking, so the question you ask when you're like, focusing and talking to God is like, where were you in this painful experience? And first he showed me that I did not shut the door. He did like God or an angel or somebody shut the door. So Hayden didn't see the the stuff going on because so, oh, wow. I don't remember shutting it. So God or an angel or somebody shut the door or I did it with God's hand. I don't know. So first, that was the first thing that he showed me. And then I kind of went through the whole experience but then I floated and like landed in Luke's body in this vision. And all of a sudden it was the most peaceful feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. I cannot explain it. And these are the thoughts that went through my head. I have no pain. I have no pain. And it was like completely peaceful, like completely peaceful. And then I remember thinking, I remember hearing Haley singing, you are my sunshine, like all of this stuff. But mm. as if I'm Luke and it was completely peaceful, like he was not in pain. He was not worried. And then he said, 
in his mind, I'm okay to leave my family, which was huge because he hated that thought. I, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. Yeah. You know, and thinking as a parent and then as a spouse, like I would feel the same way too. Like I wouldn't want to leave. And he, he thought in his head, I'm okay to leave. And then this is the coolest part. So in like real life, not the vision, his eyes were pointed to the corner, to the ceiling. And in the vision, Jesus was sitting up in the corner, like just sitting there kind of watching over the whole thing. And wow. then I remember, yeah, it was, it's amazing. Like I couldn't have made this stuff up. Like it was so vivid and so clear. There's, I wouldn't have made this up. And then um, I remember hearing the song, I can only imagine. And then I remember Jesus saying, it's time to go. And then like, kind of like going up out of Luke's body into kind of like a light and then following Jesus. And that's where my vision ended, but I was able to experience it as him and know that he was not in pain. He was not struggling because of course the whole time, it was probably about an hour, hour and a half that we were with him on the bed when he was dying and wondering what is he thinking right now? Oh, and he did struggle to speak like before this, like he kept saying, I, I, and I said, it's okay. We know that you love us. We know, I know that's what he was trying to say. And I also remember saying to him, you're going to hear today. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And just like talking so calmly to him. Like I didn't lose it until after he died. Somehow God gave me the strength to remain calm for my kids, remain calm for him. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, his death was a beautiful miracle. Most people don't have that. Um, we were blessed. Like my nurse was like, this is not, we thought he, because he's young and he was on so many pain meds, we thought he was gonna have the most excruciating death that like you wouldn't even want the kids there. Like we mm. thought it was going to be so bad. And so this is, she's like, this is actually what I prayed for, that it would be something like this. And so, although it hurt because it was not expected, it was a shock. Um, and also just so you know, it was actually a blood clot. I found out later that's it mm. was like a blood clot that traveled from his calf, either they say either to his lungs or to his heart. If it was the lungs, it was, he couldn't survive because there was so much cancer. And then if the heart, it just made him pass away. So the good news is he skipped all that end of life stuff, which you know is so horrible. And um, the kids didn't have to see him that way. I didn't have to see him that way. And we were able to, you know, skip past that. And yeah, so that's, I mean, that's just taking us up until he passed away. And I wanted to just share, just to wrap it up here in a little bit, a little bit about like the grieving process and what it's been like since then. Um, my husband was 42 when he passed away. And I remember, you know, just waking up then the next morning thinking like this can't be real and just being in a complete fog and a complete blur and a complete like feeling like how is life ever going to be better? <laughs> But I'm telling you, 11 months later, it's way better. But um, just the grieving process, you know, it's waves. It's not, I never went through, and I think you said this too, like, I never went through all the stages and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it's been different. I, I'd never had an angry face. I think you said you didn't either. You know, maybe God let us skip that and just have peace, you know. Mm -hmm. And um just the first few months really felt like survival and like learning to live again, like with part of you missing. 
you know, um, it's like, I think I said this in a live, but I, I want to share it here that it's like an amputation. You're, you learn to live without the person, but you're never the same. Like you're always going to miss them. It's an adaptation. Mm -hmm. And so the last 11 months have been hard. Uh, the first few were really hard, but I really dove into grief work. And this is what I want to encourage people to do. Um, I got involved in eight months of grief work um, online with this uh, a grief counselor. But what I wanted to encourage, it's free. This is why I want to tell everybody, there's a program called Grief Share, and it's done usually at churches. And it's a free program. When I needed it, it was all online. And I wanted to be like with people I didn't end up going to, but then I found this other grief group and that worked for me. Um, so go um, like just type in Google grief share and you can find the locations and they're free. And it's an amazing resource um, for everybody who wants to do some grief work. But one of the most important things, and I know you've heard me say it a million times that I learned in my grieving is what you feel you can heal. So don't ever stop. Like if you're starting to feel your grief emotions, just let them flow. Like, I don't care where you're at. Mm. I've cried in the bookstore, the grocery store that, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that's his favorite food, blah, blah, blah. You know, like everywhere, um, you know, all of it, like let yourself feel it. My other, so I have another counselor I see too. And she said, it's like um, constipation. If you don't get the grief out, like, cause one of my kids is having a harder time getting out. So I was explaining this to him that it's like, you, you're constipated if you don't get it out like you're gonna explode one day <laughs> and so yeah. let yourself feel it talk about it like talk about your grief find a trusted person talk through your story this is healing this is healing to talk through it and I mean that's one of the biggest things that I learned is to really talk through it find a community we're trying to build a community here with widow too soon get connected on our Instagram um, we're gonna have a Facebook page soon you know, connect with other people that are going through similar things. And then mm -hmm. for me, um, you know, God was my biggest rock. Jesus. Um, he also showed me one more thing on the, the grief retreat. And it was a vision of Jesus saying he was proud of me and like placing this crown on my head with all these jewels and saying, I chose you out of all the people in the world all the girls could like Luke was really, really attractive. And a lot of girls liked him and chased him and all this stuff. But he like out of everybody in the whole world, like I chose you, like I chose you to walk by his side because at first, you know, I'd be like, why me? Why did my husband have to die? Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And he's like, no, I chose you. And it, I, it changed everything in my head, everything. And I was like, yeah, I was chosen. Like I got to walk him all the way, like I said, I told him I would, and I was 100% faithful, whole marriage, and walked him to the end, held his hand, 16 years of sickness, like 16 years, held his hand till the very end. And God told me, Jesus told me in this vision, I am proud of you. And that was huge. He also told me during that um, retreat, um, he gave me a vision, he gave me so many visions. Um, I used to, I grew up at this camp that I would go to every summer, and it was like my favorite place in the world. And I got a vision of me running across this field and God said, I'm going to restore you back to that. I'm going to restore your life back to the joy of your youth. Because I used to be like the most fun person and like, so like carefree. And then the weight of all of us for so many years was on me. And so I feel it, I can feel it coming back. Um, you know, so there's a lot of hard times, but I can feel laughter a lot more often, having fun a lot more often. And, you know, he just really poured into me one of my verses that really helped me um 
is Isaiah 4, 32. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the oppression, you will not burn. The flames will not consume, consume you. That was huge. And then this one, um, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves mm -hmm. those who are crushed in spirit. You know, there's a lot of verses about widows, also including widowers, um, that God takes care of them. And it's so true like he has a special place in his heart for us if you're a widow or widower listening know that god will take care of you like there's so many things that have happened god provided a brand new house i moved into last week that did not look like it was going to happen he provided mm -hmm. a job i mean it's like so many things that i can look at and be like whoa like god is totally faithful i remember after luke died just praising god and crying in my room and just like feeling God's closeness like so much. And he also gave me a vision like two months or a month before Luke died of Luke running in heaven. He looked like he did in high school and he was happy and it was just beautiful. And like, it was like a vision of what he looks like now in heaven. And, you know, God has been right there with me. Um, another thing I wanted to share is don't be surprised if you have anxiety for the first time. Um, I had never had anxiety, but I actually read a book about it called um, Anxiety, The Forgotten Stage of Grief. And especially if you've witnessed a death, it can change everything for you, but know that you will get through it. <laughs> um, my anxiety used to be really high in the beginning, and it's it's very rare now that I get total anxiety about things like I used to, like I used to think I was dying a lot. Um, mm. So just, just know that you can get through that. Um, another verse, um, we actually were talking about this. You, This was your verse too. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and mm. lean not on your own understanding. That came up as a memory today on Facebook. But that was also a verse oh, that wow. I was, um, you know, really clinging to um, at that time. It was that, you know, lean not on your own understanding. I still feel like that as a widow trying to figure out my future. Lean not on your own understanding. Like, you know, because there's so many, you know, as a you know, single person with single parents and there's all these questions and you question yourself as a parent and you question the future and blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing, like lean not on your own understanding. Um, I'm going to put a link to these songs, like three songs that really helped me. Um, there's a song called, uh, it's just, I think it's just called Jesus by Mosaic and it's beautiful. It's just basically say Jesus over and over. And I used to just listen to that. I remember crying on the bathroom floor when Luke was sick, knowing he was going to die any day and just listening to that. Um, you make beautiful things by Gunger. That's one of my favorite things. It's basically based on the verse. Um, you make beauty out of ashes and God mm -hmm. doesn't waste pain. Know that whatever you're going through, God will use it. He doesn't waste your pain. Like, you didn't just go through this thing for nothing. He can use it to make something beautiful in your life or, and, or be something beautiful for someone else. Like what Mark and I went through now we're able to share it with you and we're able to, you know, be able, you know, to just share it and hopefully it helps you. And then this is like my newer favorite and even the name it's called graves into gardens by elevation worship and literally about God taking graves and making them into gardens. And like, uh, I've listened to that while at Luke's grave and like, it's it just that he can take these things and just make them beautiful. And there's a line mm. in that song that says, you turn my morning to dancing. And I've danced to that so many times. Like, yes, God, you've turned my morning to dancing. And, you know, it's not easy what we've been through or what we're currently going through, but 
God is faithful. Like, I really want to encourage everyone, like, press into God. Well, what does that mean? I don't want to just use, like, Christianese language. It means, like, just talking to him. Like, we get to talk to the God of the universe, like, anytime that we want. And just praying and just, Jesus, help me. And he will meet you there. He will listen. He does listen to every prayer. I talk to him all the time. It is not about religion. It is about a relationship. And I talk to him in the car a lot, like on walks, on runs, like all the time. Like he is close to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And a lot of you listening are probably right there. And so just know that he hears your prayers. And he, you know, if, you, if you're not even sure where to start, like, with reading the Bible, get the Bible app. It's called YouVersion. If you never heard of it on your phone and there's verse of the day, just start there. You know, um, if you want us to pray for you, reach out to us, you know, we would love to pray for you and help you along your journey. We're here to help you. And um, yeah, I think that's like most of it, what I wanted to share. Um, did you have any questions or anything? Mark? Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. My ear pod said, sorry. Um Wow, that's that's a crazy story. Um, yeah, that's it's intense. It's it's so hard to fathom because our journey was like a little over a year, and so it's hard to wrap my head around. That was most of your marriage. Yep, sixteen out of seventeen years. Yeah, or more than that, sixteen and a half out of seventeen. That's that's hard to wrap my head around. What yeah. what would you say was like the hardest season in that for you? Uh, for like sure. for you, I know there were different hard parts for Luke. Um, for sure. The end for sure. You know, mm. just knowing that he was close to the end and like bracing yourself. Like there's this thing called anticipatory grief where um, it's like you're on a train that's going full of glass and it's going to hit a wall. And you know it, so you're just bracing yourself. And so that's what I, I had a lot of anticipatory grief. And so for sure that bracing myself for death because you, I had to read all these books about what it's going to be like and all this stuff. And you're just like, okay, I'm trying to prepare, but you're never fully prepared. That's what my nurse told me, like you're never fully prepared. So I would say for sure that is definitely the, the hardest part, the hardest season. Wow. And how are your three children doing now you know they're doing pretty well it's actually amazing so Haley is really into music she's written a lot of songs she sang at um, her dad's celebration of life and graveside service and actually when I left the house she was writing another one and so she expresses herself through music she's doing pretty well you know it's hard because she was daddy's girl I worried about her the most but she's she's doing really good um Peyton's more quiet and keeps it to himself but you know he's he seems to be thriving and doing well. And, and then Hayden also does music and he's able to, he's written some songs about his dad and uh, he does basketball. In fact, he's out of practice right now. And um, so, yeah, they, and we just moved into a brand new house that they love. We went from three rooms to five and um, I just feel so blessed to have a guest room and every kid have their own room, which the boys have shared their whole life. So um, yeah, they're, they're doing pretty good. I mean, considering, and also, my nurse told me a lot. She's like, you did such great prep work with them. Like you prepared them. They did the, you know, anticipatory grief. It wasn't like a shock to them. Um, of course it's hard. There are certain moments, like even today getting basketball shoes for Hayden, he wanted his dad and 
you know, there's just moments, but um, I would say like overall doing pretty good. Mm. Wow. That's great. Praise God for that. Yeah, it's definitely um, been a journey, but yeah, so that's my story. And um, to all the the listeners out there, if you want to ask for a prayer request, you could email us at widowed2 with the number two. Widowed, widowed too soon M because we didn't have it without the M that wasn't available. Widowed too soon M like in Mark and Michelle at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, widowed too soon underscore. And we'd love to hear from you, pray for you and um, connect with you. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Now that you've heard both of our stories, it's going to be more interactive, more of a discussion. And um, we'll be excited to talk to you then. So Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Okay. I'm going to stop this one and then talk to you on.